Welcome back to season 11, episode 17 of the Digital Orthopedist Podcast, where we bring you the extraordinary lectures from the DocSF Experience 2023. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini, and I will be your host for this podcast. In our next episode, we will hear from none other than Edouard Saget. He'll talk about the use of AI to support surgeons in the operating room. Please join me as we welcome Edouard to the DocSF stage. Thank you, Steph. Appreciate it. So what enabled our peace of mind when we crossed the Atlantic? This guy. This is called navigation with autopilot. And it's fascinating what it does for you. First of all, it does much better job of humans, fine movement, maintains their heading like nobody's business, doesn't require humans, so it's very efficient. Less fatigue on us. We were able to hang out. And the time saving is important from point A to point B because there is a boat rental cost attached to it. And no, it didn't take one minute, but 18 days for us to cross, and it was in a relative peace of mind. So even sailboats have automation. So we are orthogrid, not clarify, and I want to talk to you about AI power navigation system and ESCs. The maximizing the value in ESC really is about clinical performance and sustainable cost management. A few years ago at DocSF, BTS said something interesting. Technology is not in itself a solution. Really, the question they asked was, what problem are you trying to solve for which a solution exists in technology? And that changed my thinking on how we were approaching development of technology. So what are the different problems? Well, different problems are different solutions. If you want to automate gesture, maybe you need a robot. If you want to automate surgeons' brain work in our end, in our thought process and design, we need to look at AI. And in a navigation space, you can't ignore that thoroscopy is probably the number one navigation system. It's used in a lot of orthopedic procedures. So where there is fluoroscopy, there may be an app. Fluoroscopy in total hips is almost over 45% of the market, all that in the same time that robot is coming along. So what happens in fluoroscopy, you have a lot of different aspects going on. You get a fluoroscopy workflow happening, and this is what's going on in your operating room. So what are the problems in that workflow? You got to identify them, quality assurance, clinical or efficiency. All those things are perfect for AI. And AI can bring reproducibility, time savings, cost optimization, and peace of mind. How do you build AI? You all probably should know that, but there's data that you need, machine learning, deep learning. At the end, you end up with something called a neural network. And that neural network is actually pretty narrow-minded, and it provides certain pieces of the puzzle, and I call them bricks of technology. So how do you reproduce human brain work with AI? You got to put these pieces together in a certain order and to do certain things at the right time. So if you look at a surgical workflow, again, with fluoroscopy, you take into account scene interpretation, anatomy, and you provide the physician and the team what they need to have at the moment they want it, and not specifically all the fine tuning behind it, but how do they want it? What kind of format do they want it? What information do they want it? And you just provide it to them immediately. No pins, no setup, almost no human at this time. So patient care requires quality assurance. So if you're a surgeon and you like to plan your case, you like to execute that case, as well as making sure that your outcomes are going to match that planning. Error prevention and catching is an interesting feature of AI for quality assurance. At the end, all are looking for better patient outcomes. But a navigation system needs to optimize surgical efficiency. So pre-trained models are very interesting because they are in synergy with the surgeon. They're looking to augment that surgeon. So it's a seamless adoption. I'm going to let surgeon talk about that a little bit since I have some videos. This is Dr. Glennick. He's using the AI uh, on the cup side for efficiency and quality assurance. 
from an antiversion standpoint, I like my 40 degrees of inclination. So we're going to finalize putting this cup down. And that, I think, is the beauty of using this, uh, these two devices together, kind of automated impaction with the OrthoGrid software, because it allows you to fine-tune your cup position in real time. X-ray. Again, notice those blue lines on the, on this, on the OrthoGrid screen in there, um, t telling us that our cup or our pelvic position has not changed much. So we know we can trust this position of the acetabulum. If we look at reproducibility and accuracy, Dr. Gillen here show you a quick video of how leg lengths and offset where the eye uh, works. So there's our intraoperative fluoro, again neutral in terms of our limb lengths. Here we are post-op and I've drawn this trans teardrop line and so as best as I can tell, her teardrops are very difficult to tell because of this protrusio and, and, this, and the weird sort of uh, osteophyte she has. But you can see that's a pretty good line with the bottom of her optrators, pretty good line at the bottom of her ischia. And so I'll take that as a, as a reasonable line. Limb lengths, we look spot on in terms of side to side. So I'll, I'll accept that that neutral was right. So the AI was telling us what we needed to. Now another setting is Dr. Stewart actually was the first one to use the AI plus FDA clearance and used it in a complex conversion revision here. Today we're using OrthoGrid with the AI enhancement to do several cases. And we finished the day up with a more complicated case for a revision. And so we used it for planning the cup, looking at leg length and offset. And in a case like this, where there's a lot that we want to change, this patient started tremendously short. That's the sort of thing that's hard to estimate on your own. This achieved all our goals quickly, efficiently, and let us do some things that are out of the normal workflow, but it didn't take extra time. It was really quite efficient. So an excellent use uh, for our first day with OrthoGrid and the AI enhancement. That was on the first day. Another thing to think about about AI is that we train on procedural context. So if you have a specific surgical technique as a surgeon, I'm not going to ask you to change it. I'm going to try to augment it. So Dr. Yarsimides used a very specific technique, different than the other surgeons related to hip overlay, and there's a shortage on this paper that you see in the back. The flow is very easy. It's very, very easy to learn. There's not a hundred buttons to push. Um, the, this particular program, you know, the AI overlay program, it automatically changes from one scene to the next scene to the next scene without somebody having to be there to guide it. It's self-guiding. Um, and it's an outstanding program and I highly recommend anybody that uses an overlay technique. The other thing about these breaks of technologies, you know, those red, yellow, and blue, they actually can be transported and used for other applications. So we're not stuck in a total hip world. We can use them for hip preservation, for example. That technology was studied by the team of Dr. Peters and got a John Charney Award for it and its results. So that's very interesting. But Dr. Mike Ryan uses them all. Now I use hip preservation and this of Austin. Awesome. Check it out. That We're after it. So when you're trying to, I don't want to be too commercial. I think these surgeons are using it. I've been using it. I want you to hear from them and how they're doing it. But when you're looking at orthopedic AI powered navigation system, you're really looking to provide high value and high performance. And I think I heard a lot of that from the conversation earlier. What is an ROI? Well, I'm glad to hear it was not just financial. It was also a surgeon satisfaction, patient satisfaction. And a lot of these things come into play. Ease of use is key.
Can every single one of my surgeons use them? That's a consideration. Is it open platform? Can I use it with any implant? Is there an implant that fits best a patient other than another one? Is it invasive? Do I have to take trays and sterilize them and clog my central processing or not? The other thing is, if you have a fluoroscopy machine, you don't have to change it. You can just use that one right away. And the other piece is, you may be able to use that technology in other areas and you don't have to buy another system for it. And we learned, I learned something else in 2017 at the Doc SF, is that technology has a duty to deliver on the value equation. We took that to heart when we actually built the systems because every feature and everywhere we were building it, we were looking at meeting that equation. But the clinical performance, proven techniques, surgeons are already taking care of their technique and they don't want really to change it. They're creatures of habit. So if you can augment that technique, they'll get better with a system than trying to change completely what they're used to do it. So ease of use is key, high adoption across not only all the physicians because it meets their technique, but it's also because it's self-guided, but it allows the choice of implants if you want it as well. Non-invasive or time savings, the amount of radiation and shots you're taking because of this is actually lowered. And then there's the upgrades. We upgrade everything. We're talking about subscription and models. We provide upgrades all the time. Last year, we launched this in May. And we already had three upgrades this year alone with a better performance. What about the cost? It's a low acquisition cost, no large capital. I think that's important. There's different flexibility on how you can acquire the technology. Increased volume actually increases the amount of discounts, so you pay less over time. And then you have the OR time efficiency, potentially. The staff burden is reduced, minimal footprint. And if you want to do some marketing, you certainly can. So what are some of the results for us? We're already working surgery centers. And so far as of April 1st, anybody who actually has tried it has adopted it at some point. So it's very encouraging to see the technology applying to uh, different techniques, needs in the ASC hospitals and other areas uh, and to be able to meet those needs. So if you have to consider a navigation system, I would just like selling the Atlantic, focus on peace of mind and AI can power that for you. Thank you. So, Edward, first of all, that video of your journey across the Atlantic, I think, got all of our attention. Well, that was you told, uh, come up with a story that's different. So I just did that. Absolutely. And I think the idea of having the cross-section of digital technology driving you and supporting you as you now have... It would have been company. a totally different trip if we didn't have that. Yeah, as our trips in the ORR yeah. without technology, there's, there's a question mark. I've definitely become a big fan of the robotic surgery. Everybody says it's because oh, it's the accuracy, but I love to know where the things are at the time that I put them in. And it's been, I've become a bit of a data junkie using the robot. And because I don't do anterior surgery, that's why I don't I use that. a product. I know that. I know. Uh, but listen, as you've gone through this journey of applying, of, of taking um, the existing technology, the, the C-arm has been around for a long time and trying to innovate around it. What were your big learnings around, especially around adoption of new technology, new ideas? Well, so... The hard part is CRM has been around for so long, so standard of care. We felt that it could be improved when we started understanding the capabilities of these type of technologies really early on. So when we looked at the field, uh, our experience with navigation system and my team is, goes all the way back to the early 2000s. So when we looked that we couldn't move the CRM out of the OR with like the regular optical tracking tools on the anterior hips, we kind of considered, okay, what can we do with this technology? And it seems easier to innovate on top of a standard of care than to try to create a new technology that's going to completely disrupt it. And I think you can see, for example, with the anterior approach, we started with the anterior approach because we had navigation posterior. Then the CRM came in when we flipped supine, and that's kind of what brought this into play. So the floral market 
in the hip is 45% now because of the anterior approach. And so we just went with that wave and figured that if that worked, we should be able to provide better solutions to the physicians. Outstanding. 100% retention rate of all your customers since the beginning is an yeah. extraordinary feat. I don't know if it's going to track, but next month is going to be you know lower. But it's been a fantastic adoption and I'm very thankful for the physicians who have you know, provided feedback as well. Outstanding. Thank you so much, Edouard. Thank you for listening to Edouard on the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. If you found his talk and all the others as incredibly informative and topical as we did, please do share this podcast with your friends and leave us a nice review on your podcast player choice. It would mean a lot to us if you did. 